Hey, my name is Yolanda and welcome to Frank Factualities, the podcast. Tune in each week as I speak frankly about life experiences from my perspective and offer you a bit of unsolicited advice. Let's take a little time to laugh, to think, and to cry as we tackle some serious topics and some not so serious topics. Be sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to my third episode. I appreciate you guys for joining me again. Guess what today is? It is story time. (laughs) I know that was cheesy, but I have the button and I wanted to use it. So the topic is story time, toxic relationships. I just want to take you guys down memory lane and discuss a time when I was in a very unhealthy relationship and just share with you some of the lessons that I've learned from that relationship. So he was my high school sweetheart. And so we met when I was about 17. I was a senior in high school and we had dated up until I was about 24. So about seven years. And throughout those seven years, we lived together for about five. Um, He chased me down in high school and I finally just said, okay, fine, let's date. Um, I wasn't the typical high school girl. I had a, at the time a five-year-old daughter, so I really, really wasn't looking for something serious in a high school boy. I had been dating guys that had been maybe in their early twenties, like college boy age, and so this thing with him was just kind of a, you know, a fun thing. Uh, but he gave me something that I didn't have, and that's what made him stand out, and was or that I didn't have before, I should say. My previous relationship, I dated someone from high school and uh, his parents wanted to meet me. They were so excited because I was his first girlfriend. But his little sister told them that I had a child and, you know, they came from this, you know, two parent, you know, nice family. And I guess I was the ghetto girl that was, you know, probably going to trap their son and he wasn't going to make it to college. And so they didn't want to meet me anymore. And they banned him from talking to me. And so he, we tried to sneak around a little bit. Um, but long and short it ended that's not the story we'll save that one for another time so when I met this guy and he introduced me to his mom and I met his family and they embraced me so well he gave me something that I didn't have and this was my first time meeting a family and it didn't matter that I had a daughter and she didn't look at me uh, as this you know girl who wasn't good enough for her son and so I embraced that and I think that because I embraced that I ignored a lot of red flags and things that I could have or should have pulled away from so yes I was from the hood however I wasn't again your typical you know ghetto or hood girl in that and I don't know if there's a typical but you get what I'm saying I went to school where all of my cousins in my neighborhood everybody at that point had already dropped out um, but school was my haven so I went there because I got to escape from being a parent don't tell anybody um so I went and so um I was go. I wanted to go to college myself and he was smoking weed and kind of, you know, always stealing his mom's car and just doing things that, um, yes, I was around, but I just didn't really partake in it. So, um, but again, he was funny and he, him and his family had embraced me. So we dealt and, um, 
my senior year before I graduated, maybe after the first semester of the senior year, I got kicked out of the house. So I was homeless. And I mean, literally homeless, not like, okay, my mama kicked me out and I went to go stay with, you know, my friends. No, I was hopping from house to house. So that was a really tough time for me. And he kind of stayed by my side, really couldn't do much. Of course, he's a high school student, but wherever I went, he made sure that I had. So he made sure I ate. He brought me things because at this time I wasn't working. Um, He brought me food and, you know, just kind of took care of me. And so, um, by the time I had graduated, his mom decided to move to Florida where they're from. Um, we live or I live here in South Carolina. So he moved back to Florida. So I graduated high school without having him here. And we still kept in contact and communicated on the phone. And when I went to college, you know, I was going to get my refund check and I needed to get my own place because I had been living, like I said, at this point, maybe with about three different people um, back and forth. And so I got my own place and I invited him to come live with me. I said, you know, I want you to stay with me. Um, I don't want to move with my daughter by myself. I want us to be together. And so he decided to come back and move in with me and he got a job, but you could tell that he wasn't really ready to be an adult. He kind of, you know, shied away from, oh, I got to work every day and I have to pay these bills. And so I kind of didn't have a choice. So, of course, it was something that I did. And he just kept his job on and off. And finally, he got fed up and said, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. And he wanted to go home. So he went back to Florida. We continued to talk. Maybe after two months, he said he missed me. And by maybe the six month mark, he came back. And so at this point, he was really like, well, I'm going to do what I want to do. I've tried your way the first time. I'm going to do it my way. Now, rewind just a little bit. Our relationship wasn't perfect. We had dealt with infidelity on my end as well as his. And so it was already toxic with just the infidelity. He cheated. I cheated. It was a back and forth cycle. And we just kept going and forgave each other and, you know, all this other good stuff. So when he came back and he was on this, I'll work if I want to. If I don't want to, it is what it is. Again, I was still searching for that feeling that I got from him with the initial embrace. And so I stayed and I wanted it to work and I didn't want to be alone at that moment with trying to figure out life on my own for the very first time. And I I liked the support, which, of course, I'm grown now and I know that was just codependency. Um, But that's what I wanted and needed at the time. And so, you know, he ended up getting really addicted to drugs. And I found out through some friends, you know, not that I didn't have clues. I did notice that things in the house were getting missing. My money would come up short or missing. And, you know, it was always, I need more money. I need, I ran out of my money. I don't have any. Can you give me, can you give me? And I never knew where it was going from. I guess I was naive, but I was so busy. I was going to school from eight to like three and then working from four thirty to midnight. And in between that, trying to help my daughter with homework. So I was really busy and I really didn't have time to micromanage what his day was. But I did know that when I would come home and him and his friends would be there, I would smell this funny odor. And one of the ladies that I lived with prior to getting my own place used to be on crack, unfortunately. So I knew what that smelled like. So when I would come home, I'd be like, oh, my God, and here smells like crack. Now, I know he smoked weed, but I mean, hindsight being 2020, what I know it now to be what Trick Daddy would call it as boom, you know, so he was smoking uh marijuana laced I mean cocaine laced marijuana so that was the smell that I was so that's how it started and I didn't know that's what the smell but when I got word that someone said he was on cocaine I recognized or realized that at the point yes that's what he was doing 
Fast forward, those him just smoking lace weed turned into a full blown cocaine addiction. And it got so bad that he was breaking and entering. He was, um, you know, just stealing my stuff, my friend's stuff, if they were to leave it at the house. And it just got really bad. I didn't even need to worry about infidelity because all he cared about was getting high. And so because of his addiction, we had been evicted from apartments and homes maybe about three times. And I was back homeless. And I don't mean like, okay, I'm living with people. I mean, we're walking the streets all day because we don't have any place to go. I had to put all my stuff in storage. We were living in like roach motels whenever we could get the money. Mind you, I still was working, but just trying to keep up with like my daughter's needs and, you know, paying people to watch her while I still worked. At this point, I think I had to take a break from college because it just became too much to try to find a way to school and to work. And so, you know, we were living in this motel that probably was like a hundred dollars a week or something. I don't know. And, um, you know, I managed to find our way and he was still getting high. And, you know, I said, Oh, I love him. So I'm going to stick by him. And we probably got in, you know, our last home together now that I remember. And, you know, I wanted to support him. I knew deep down that I was an enabler, but I also knew that addiction was a disease. And so I kept telling myself he needs help. He needs help. And who else is going to help him? Like, I have to help him. The only person that's going to help him is me. So I have to be the one to help. And so I kept, you know, kept staying on him and kept encouraging him. Hey, you know, at some point you need to get help. At some point you need to make sure that you you know, to be with me, you get these issues taken care of. So when we moved in our last home, I said, okay, you know, we're going to start over. We're getting a new place. You know, he helped me pick out the house. And then every day I came home from work, it was just guys I knew, some guys I didn't know. And then my mom said to me, you know, I just want you to know that word on the street is your house is the trap house. And I was like, no, you know, most of the people that were over there were family. Yes, I knew that those family members were selling drugs, but I didn't think that they would be selling it at my house. And it wasn't always family. So it was always some other people as well. And so I was a little in denial. And so what happened was the straw that broke the camel's back with our relationship was You know, I was home late one night and we would get these strange knocks on the door and they would be looking for somebody. And, you know, I'm not crazy. So I know what that is. You know, they're coming looking for drugs. And so I was looking for like a remote and I was reaching my hand under the couch and I found a gun and I knew he didn't own a gun, nor did I. And so, you know, he didn't have a way of explaining it. His thing was, oh, so and so left it here. So, you know, I let it ride and just let him know, you know, I wasn't going to tolerate that. Fast forward a couple of days after that, I noticed that there were like maybe two pounds of marijuana stuffed in this file cabinet in the um, laundry room of the house that we were renting. And I asked him about it. He said it was someone else's. I found these smaller like baggies of cocaine in the in the upper closet. So that confirmed to me that drugs were being sold out of my house. But I knew it wasn't him because he didn't have any money. But what I realized was that he was allowing people to sell drugs from my house, probably in exchange for drugs for him. And so maybe a month or so, you know, I begged him, I, you know, I, when I got home and I saw people there, I said, no more. 
So then he started back doing what he always did, which was stealing. And the landlord came one day and was looking for this window unit, like an air conditioner window unit that was sitting in the back of uh, like the storage room. And so she was, I'm coming to get it. I need it for one of my other rentals. And so I said, okay, it's back there, I guess, you know, and it wasn't. And I learned that he had pawned that along with some other items that we were actually renting from some rent to home places. And this had happened within that same day. So that was a straw for me. I was just completely done. I I knew that at that moment I was never going to be able to have anything. I knew that I was never going to be able to move forward with someone with that type of addiction. And although I loved him, I knew again, love had nothing to do with my well-being and my growth. And so I had to let him go. So I moved out. My mom did let me stay for about a month and I got my own house. But he harassed me every single day. Every day he knocked on my door. He begged me to let him come in. He said he didn't have any place to stay. And I didn't. I it was hard. I cried because I wanted to open the door so bad, but I knew that it was bad for me. And so I decided to buy him a bus ticket back to Florida and I made the mistake of giving him the money and of course you know what he did with that he got high and then maybe about two or three days later when I realized he was still there because he came back to my home I went the next day and purchased him an actual ticket and bought it for him to go back and so he went back and To this day, because my number is still the same, he will still call occasionally. And obviously, he's still doing drugs in and out of jail and currently is in jail. But what I learned from that relationship was that you cannot fix people's issues and that your job in a relationship is just to love them. And you cannot ignore the red flags because they're providing the one thing that you prayed for or the one thing that you wanted in a relationship so you stay with them because that one thing you thought you never have they gave it to you and so you're with them however they have from that one thing that you like they have five other things that you don't like not just that you don't like but you can't tolerate that's going to be the death of you (laughs) And you ignore them and you keep saying to yourself, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. And you cannot love the flaws out of someone. It's just impossible. And so you can pray and you can say, I want them to be better because a lot of us, you know, not the, you know, not that if because I believe in that. However, some people have to take their journey and go through the process on their own. You're not going to be able to go through that struggle and strife with them. And that is what I had to learn. At the end of the day, I learned that you can love someone, but not be with them. And I, I knew that I cared for him. And that was the hardest thing because the love was never gone. I just needed to love him from afar. There was no way that I was going to be able to stay in that relationship. And I forgave him and myself. And forgiveness didn't mean that we were going to reconcile. It just meant that we both did some things to each other that were very unhealthy and toxic and that we were never going to get past that. Because if as two people, if you're not growing together, then the relationship will fall apart. It's inevitable. You cannot survive if one person is going in one direction and you're going in another direction. And that is where it was. I was growing up and he wasn't. And I won't make those type of mistakes again. 
But you have to learn that if you're fighting a losing battle, if you've been repeating yourself constantly about what you like and what you don't like from this person and you've been begging and pleading them to do better and to change. And especially if it's something as toxic as abuse or drug addiction, those are things that those are demons you can't fight. I'm just going to be honest. Those are things that it is impossible for you to fight against. You have to let those people heal and deal with those things on their own. And I think that that's something we lose sight of. We always want to be by someone's side while they go through stuff. And I just don't believe that that has to happen because we also have to be individuals outside of our relationship. And as we get older, we learn that no one else can bring you that happiness, that you have to be happy on your own and then you can bring happiness into another situation but until you're happy and whole you're going to search for those voids and it doesn't come from someone else filling in the, them in someone else can only enhance you they can't fix you so we just got to keep those things in mind and you know I pray that no one else has to go through those type of things but it happens and when it does I you know get help get help for you get help for the person and I am not against therapy because sometimes you need it especially after something like that so again the point of the story is get out of unhealthy relationships don't stay in anything longer than you have to that's toxic and frankly the fact of the matter is love yourself love yourself above all That is my time, guys. I appreciate you all for stopping in and tuning in and listening to me. Until next time, y'all be safe.